Samuel 16, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to, sac to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by and said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send him and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then sent out and went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. They are different, difficult names, so I'm glad you did the reading. So today, our passage is a critical turning point in the history of our faith. And the, as, we, um, as we are following the narrative lectionary um, this season, as we have been before, Israel has joined the nations and that have a king. Their first king, the tall and strong King Saul, has broken God's command by keeping some of the spoils of war instead of destroying them as the Lord has commanded to him. The prophet Samuel, who anointed that very King Saul, had just informed him that God is done with him and God has another to be king. Today, Kaylee just read to us about the story of a shepherd boy, David, revealed to be God's chosen one. As I read this story in the beginning, getting ready for today's preaching, the words, the Lord looks on the heart, kind of struck at me and it stayed with me. It is the conclusion of a longer sentence said by God when Samuel thinks the oldest and the tallest of Jesse's son must surely be the new king. God says, the Lord does not see as mortal sees, they see outward appearances. The Lord looks on the heart. Yikes, that is worse than the body scanner at the airport security, I thought. 
God chose David to be his servant king because of what God saw in David's heart. I wonder what God saw within David's heart. I wonder what did the Lord see in Jeremiah's heart when God called Jeremiah to become a prophet? What did the Lord see in Mary's heart when God called her to become the mother of his child, Jesus? What did the Lord see in Levi's heart when Jesus called the tax collector to become his disciple? What did the Lord see in Philip's heart when he sent him to speak with the Ethiopian eunuch? And what did the Lord see in the eunuch's heart when God called him to be baptized? I wonder also what it must be like to be chosen, not because of outer appearances, but because of what is in our hearts. How wonderful it is to be affirmed in our innermost selves by God. How glad I am that the Lord does not look on the, our tallness or our good looks, says this not quite 5'2 person. You know, Kaylee can't say that you're tall and gorgeous. So, but then I noticed something else. The scripture says that God has provided David. Surely that meant God provided what was good within the heart of David. That way God would have a heart worthy person to be king. And then I thought of my father's teaching of our Presbyterian reformed faith. My father taught me that God lovingly and carefully created each of us with specific gifts and talents. As we see in Psalm 139, each of us are uniquely and intricately woven by God. God's love for us is there even when we sin and run away from what God intended us to be. God shows his great love for us by sending his only son, Jesus, to redeem and restore us to right, a right relationship with God again. As, of, as one of the reformers, John Calvin reminds us, it is through the power of God's love and grace that we are made sisters and brothers of Christ. Because Christ is the true Son of God, we become the blessed and adopted children of God. We Presbyterian Reformed Christians believe that God has a call and purpose for each of us. That call fulfills the deepest and most treasured parts of our hearts. We call this our vocation. David's vocation was to be king of Israel because, who of, because of who God had created David to be within his heart. The wonderful message of this is that God looks within each of our hearts and sees the gift of God God has created us to be. The goodness God has placed in our hearts is the basis of our vocation. John Calvin wanted us to understand that God loves us and finds joy in looking on our hearts. If I could see the great goodness God has placed within your hearts, what would I see? If you could see the great goodness God has placed within my heart, what would you see? 
The test of that, what it is in our heart is whether it helps us love God and love neighbors. For instance, as we heard earlier in the service that Matthew has told us, we can love neighbors by giving new suitcases and new pillows to children who are being removed from their abusive homes, not of their own doing or deserving. This will let them carry their belongings in a new suitcase rather than a garbage bag. I see God and neighbor loved when I see Samaritan counselor Diane Brantley leading our grief support groups and a faith-based recovery group. The question is, does what is in our hearts just stay there? Or does it move us out of ourselves and beyond ourselves to help others? My husband, Will Brown, and I pray these words every morning during our devotion. Help us, O God, to be your love and grace in word and deed with all we meet today and every day. Sometimes I think I get a glimpse of what God sees in our hearts or the hearts. I believe I see a glimpse when I see a healer totally focused on diagnosing and relieving pain of the other. A musician wrapped in the music and pouring heart and soul into the sound and words. And thank you, Steve, for coming here. An artist configuring shape and color into beauty and meaning an engineer using math and physics to create something of functional strength and usefulness, a teacher guiding a student to find the skills of insight and learning to grow in wisdom and competence, first responders risking themselves to reach and rescue people who are in danger and distress. I see a glimpse when I am myself being counseled by a Samaritan counselor who helps me see my place in God's larger scheme of things. And yet, all too often, I also see that our hearts get broken and the goodness in the heart feels lost. But God does not leave us in our brokenness God does not want the goodness to remain lost. Will and I recently watched a movie titled The Sea of Trees. How many of you have seen it? You might want to see that. It's not very old. I think it's last year's. But I was theologically deeply moved by the movie. It's about sin, repentance, and redemption. Now, you know why I saw it with my husband? <laughs> and the main character in the movie, Arthur, has already um, his dry and selfish life um, the way it was, and it was made much worse than by the death of his young wife. Feeling utter despair, Arthur goes to Japan to enter a certain forest, it is said, where people go to end their lives. He enters and finds his spot to end his life and begins to take his overdose of pills. He sees another person nearby who collapses in grief and tears, saying, I have to get back to my family. I have to find a way out of this forest. 
Disturbed, Arthur goes to help this man named Takumi. The rest of the movie has to do with their struggle toward and away from death as they listen to each other and rescue each other. In focusing on helping and caring for this other man, Arthur rediscovers the goodness God placed in his heart. The goodness God put in our hearts is always there. In grace, God creates new opportunities for us to be who God intended us to be. God calls us to be generous in giving the goodness of our hearts to others. We are to be as generous as God was to us in the first place. And it is a privilege to be generous, either giving to our regular stewardship drive or to the heart gallery for the new suitcases and new pillows, or to Samaritan or to a neighbor. It is a privilege to be able to give. God does not look on our outward appearance, but the Lord looks on our hearts, to which we say, thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, we thank you for all your gifts of love and goodness. Help us to treasure and use those gifts in loving, loving you and loving neighbors. Grant that we might be your love and grace in word and deed with all we meet this day and every day. We pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You